The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Now, good to be back in for another weekend. Only a couple of weekends left in 2022. Can this be correct? It's absolutely correct. And we're back aboard on the Big Fight Weekend preview. I'm a somewhat capable host. He is our content partner, partner his Fight Freaks Unite uh, substack, as well as BigFightWeekend.com. Hello, Dan Rayfield. Good to be back with you. A little bit of a lighter weekend in terms of action in the ring, but plenty of news. And it's always good to be with you here on the pod. Yes, sir, Mr. TJ Reeves. It's a pretty good, it's it's a slower weekend, but that's how it happens at the end of the year. But there's still some cards worth talking about. No doubt about that. So we'll get into this in particularly the Michelle Rivera, uh, Frank Martin, lightweight Showtime PBC main event in Las Vegas. That's the primary one that we'll be discussing in a little bit. We have a special guest that is coming as well. We've been teasing this. We've been promoting this. You had a recent conversation with Jerron Boots Ennis, one of the rising stars, as I like to say, seems to be ticketed for world championship status and stardom in the welterweight division, if not beyond. You had a recent chance to speak with him uh, one-on-one. They're going to hear that conversation coming up in a little bit. Well, Boots is a co-feature January 7th on the undercard on Showtime pay-per-view when uh, uh, Tank Davis comes back and takes on Hector Luis Garcia, and uh, Ennis is in that in that co-feature, fighting for the uh, IBF's interim welterweight title. And uh, and it's a chance for him to, to to position himself for really bigger fights, obviously, what he's been trying to do. But now he's going to be you know in the driver's seat in many respects. And he's a tremendous young talent, like you mentioned. Pretty good interview. Uh, really a focused young man. And uh, I always get a kick out of and get excited watching – the young guys blossom from going from the prospect stage. He's no longer really a prospect. Now he's like a young contender and, and he's taking that step up the ladder. He just needs somebody of a, of a bigger name of a willingness to, to take him on. All right. We look forward to seeing what he can do on that undercard, the Gervonta Davis show right at the beginning of the new year on January 7th in Washington, DC. Uh, everybody beware. Rayfield is uh, purported to be there for that fight card that weekend. Uh, well, just uh, I- alert. How, how can I not? I live like you know, I half know. an hour from the arena. You can get there. You can get there easily. You can get it done. Uh, we love that. All right. So, uh, by the way, thank you for finding us, however you've done so, uh, through the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed, through a social media link, through Dan's Substack, et cetera, and all the great promotion with his newsletter, et cetera. Uh, make sure that you're following, subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We keep joking and saying this, but it seems to be working that if you follow and subscribe, you'll get the preview headed into the weekend or the recap off the weekend by virtue of a light, a bell, a vibration, a banner, a ding, uh, a buzz, something will let you know there's a new podcast, usually out by Friday morning for the weekend to preview and usually out overnight into Monday morning with a recap off the weekend, give or take. So, that I mean, that's what uh, we want them to do. We want them to follow. We want them to subscribe. We want them to rate and review us. We should make mention that several of you took advantage. Go rate and review us. We may we may be in the festive mood, the holiday mood, and give something away before we're done. Ray Listen, may I was, be looking through the collection. I don't know. What's, what's the I was in I was in the lair the other day, <laughs> and I, I, I haven't even told you about this, but I'll, I'll tell you when we're off the air, Okay, when we're done with this. That I, I got a good idea for the next giveaway. Got some cool. Now shit that's a tease. Now that's a tease. We've given away posters. We've given away a Tyson Holyfield hat. We've given away some uh, magnetic key cards with the Canelo GGG uh, fight poster on it, as well as the Mayweather 
Pacquiao fight poster on the magnetic key cards. We've got some good little trinkets out of the Rayfield collection. He says he's been in the lair, and I believe him when he's looking for some good stuff. So rate us or review us on Apple Podcast, uh, and we may draw somebody at random before the month is over with, or if you've just rated us and reviewed us in December. We'll see it. It's date-stamped. We'll be able to see when you did it. Go give us a five-star review. Uh, by the way, you got somebody referring to you on an Apple podcast review as the new Burt Sugar. I can confirm to the audience, Burt Randolph Sugar was phenomenal. The late Burt Sugar, former editor of the Ring Magazine, etc. Always had the hat, always had the unlit cigar. I can confirm that Rayfield does not have the Burt Sugar hat or the unlit cigar while doing the podcast. I can I must confirm say, that. I, I, I have to take that as a huge compliment. Yes. I mean, I'm not Burt Sugar, but before Burt died several years ago, we had a beautiful relationship. He was like a grandfather figure to me. Yes. A tremendous person, a mentor, just a wonderful person. May I tell a quick Burt Sugar story? Please, by all means. I may have told this before. I don't remember. Not on this so podcast, ago, not. I was in, I know this was not part of our script, but it just made me think. <clears throat> years ago, I was in Las Vegas covering the Roy Jones-John Ruiz fight. It was a big deal. Uh, Roy was moving up finally to uh, fight John Ruiz, who at that time had the WBA heavyweight title. So he was going for a heavyweight title, which was very historic. And even if you didn't think much of uh, of the titles, the reality was at that time, John Ruiz was probably, you know, in the top four or, or so of the heavyweight division. So by coincidence, my father had to be in Las Vegas on business during the week that I was there. So my dad and I arranged to meet up with each other. He was going to come over to the MGM Grand, which is where uh, I was staying. And uh, we would meet up for a drink or dinner or something like that. So we set up. You know, I'll meet you in the lobby bar, uh, the same place where I talked about the Ricky Hatton uh, Floyd Mayweather yes. fight week where they were seven deep for the drinks. <clears throat> so we set up to meet for dinner and I went down to the bar to uh, to meet my dad when we said, you know, whatever time it was six o'clock in the evening or something like that. And I find my father in the bar, which was not hugely busy, but there was a lot of people around because it was still, you know, the, the week of the fight find my dad having a drink with Bert sugar <laughs> and I'm thinking, Oh, okay. So my father and, and, you know, Bert's my boy and they, they linked up and, and, uh, you know, he knows who he is. I, I walk in and I say, hey, dad, say hello to my father, you know, say hello to Bert. As it turns out, they just started talking and Bert bought my dad a drink <laughs> and he had absolutely no, absolutely no idea that, that I was his son, that I just found my, my dad and Bert sugar drinking together at a bar in Las Vegas. Uh, all right. So uh, you know that I, I cut my teeth as a five day a week sports radio host in Tampa Bay. This has now been my God, Rayfield, I'm in a minute, 93, 94, 95. And of course, this is around the time of Mike Tyson being released from prison in 95. Uh, this is a, this is around the time of uh, a couple of different, uh, you know, big time things. The Bo Holyfield fights are going on. Et cetera. We, would, we would frequently reach out and it never he never said no. Bert Sugar would always come on to talk about a big boxing pay-per-view. I remember I had him on for Chavez Whitaker at the Alamo Dome. I, I must have had him on 10 times. And every time. Could not have been more cordial. Could not have been better. More than once. Now, these are the days before cell phones where we're having to reach him on a phone number. As you know, uh, people don't know what that is. That you actually have to know somebody's phone number or know how to look up a phone number or go or go call somebody on an actual hardline phone. Bert would frequently give us the number and the number would be a bar, you know, like Mickey's Tavern or whatever we're calling it. Somebody's going Mickey's Tavern. May I help you? Uh, we're looking for Bert Sugar. Yeah, he's right here. And so they hand him the phone and we're doing the radio interview from Mickey's Tavern. That was Bert Listen, Randolph Sugar. And again, 
uh, a great ambassador, a great historian of the sport. Look him up. See see some of his stuff. He always had great knowledge. Uh, he would say, young man, it's always a pleasure to be with you. And thank you for talking fights on your show. He would always say that to me. So uh, Burt Randolph Sugar, special place in for the you Boxing and Hall of Fame in Canastota, New York. They've got a wonderful display of Burt's famous fedora yep. and his typewriter. And I will say that Burt wrote a number of books. You know, I helped him with a, a couple things in one of the books. Sometimes he would always send me a copy of it. I have a beautiful autographed book of one of Burt's, of birth, uh, one of his books. To Dan, you've carried me longer than my mother, your friend Burt Sugar. <laughs> That's a great line. That's in the Rayfield collection. I love that. Not, right, we're so, not giving that away on the podcast. I love it. All right. So this is good stuff. Rate us and review us. And uh, somebody complimenting Dan as the. It's like we just Sugar. ran. That's we cool. weren't planning this. No, but this is good. Like this is when what we were the talking about, about Kiss last week. I, and I completely walked into that left hook. I didn't even have any idea that you were that big of a Kiss fan. Huge. Uh, so we love that. Okay. Uh, plenty to get to here. Boots in us in a few moments. Preview of uh, Rivera and Martin in a little bit. First of all, since last we were here, after the Fight Freaks Unite recap, Naoya Inouye, the monster, has become undisputed Bantamweight champion. Not unexpected. Everybody believed he would win. Everybody mostly believed he would win by knockout. It took a little longer with England's Paul Butler. It took until the 11th round before he got the stoppage. Inouye in complete command. Uh, but he ends up taking longer than most thought he would. All right, Dan, your thoughts uh, from Japan because he makes history. He's the first ever Japanese four-belt champion in any weight division. He's the first ever fighter at Bantamweight ever to have the four belts at the same time, WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO. Your thoughts as he finally accomplished it. He's also the first four-belt champion from Asia, not just Japan. He's the first um, undisputed champion in the Bantamweight division three or four belt era. The last time there was an undisputed champion in the Bantamweight division was the two belt era, the WBA and the WBC 1972 by wow. Panama's Enrique Pinder. Um, he is the ninth fighter male overall in the four belt era to become an undisputed champion. And the third this year, because he joins at least in terms of 2022, you also had a Devin Haney and lightweight division and a Jermel Charlo in the junior middleweight division. Uh, so he's made a lot of history, as you said. It did take him longer than I think most people thought, but he did get the knockout. It was pretty impressive. I think part of the reason it took him so damn long was because Paul Butler just had no other choice but to fight the way he did unless he wanted to get waxed early. <laughs> so he made a decision that I'm going to protect my health and I'm going to do the best I can to not get caught. So he just refused to throw punches. He refused to engage. And, you know, when you got to chase a guy around who's had a has a high guard and is yep. doing everything defensively, not opening up at all to throw punches, there's really no openings. And so and then to, to Paul Butler's smiled credit, he did show some toughness because he did take some good punches, uh, both to the head and to the body. And uh, it took him 11 rounds for in a way to chop him down. And when he finally got him and put together those punches uh, in combination and he had him on the ropes and dropped him. You know, it was a pretty impressive sight. But the fact that it went 11 rounds to me is not relevant. He still won literally every single second of the fight. He still scored a sort of a highlight real knockout. He still made all kinds of history. And then when it was over, he said exactly what he said before the fight, which was not unexpected, that his time in the Bantamweight division is over. Mission accomplished. He is moving up to the junior featherweight division. At some point, I guess over the next few weeks, we'll see uh, him vacate the titles one by one uh, or perhaps all of them together. And he'll move on to bigger and better things 
at 122 pounds. But uh, as I said before, and Paul Butler was in the right place at the right time. He he had an interim title. Casimiro backed out on him twice, uh, and he was elevated. And he took the opportunity to go make a seven-figure payday in Japan because Paul Butler's the kind of guy that could have lost for 50 grand at home in England. That's true. And, and give him a credit for toughness. He took... I want to say 30 or 40 ripping body shots over those first 10 rounds before he finally succumbed. It wasn't, those were not love taps, as we like to say. He was well, getting popped a, to the body throughout the fight. Let me give fight. you a statistic. Yes. So CompuBox tracked the fight. In the entire 11 rounds or 10 plus rounds that he lasted, he landed only 38 punches, which shows you how defensive minded he was because you're only, he only threw 301 punches and he only landed 38, which is pathetic. Mm. Absolutely pathetic. That's way below the Bantamweight average. There were rounds in the fight where he was credited literally with landing zero punches in the first round, one punch in the sixth round, and then one punch in the 11th round, which is when he was stopped. I referred to it in the piece that I wrote as one of the weakest offensive performances in world title history. So it's, it's disappointing that a guy like Butler had worked so long to put himself in this position and I understand you're trying to preserve your health. I get it. But you get this one opportunity in your life, and you'll never get another opportunity like right. this. Sure. At least for somewhere along the line, go for it. Sell out. See if you can land. Do you, you think do you think he was resigned to the fact I can't hurt this guy and beat this guy, certainly by like the third or fourth round? And the mentality became, can I just go Rocky? I just go to go to distance. He's just trying to last until the bell on the 12th round. Did he, do you believe in watching that think, fight that it became that? I think it might've been that way in terms of going the distance. I, I don't think it was necessarily that point of view in terms of, I can't hurt him. Because he had no idea if he could hurt him because he never tried to hurt him. Yeah. He never landed one good punch the whole fight, honestly. I right. mean, of those 30-some punches that he was credited with landing, there was really there was like maybe one right hand that was looked solid, but you know, relative to other fights I've watched, he didn't do anything. So again, it went exactly as we expected, but I don't fault in a way. He he had a goal which is to be undisputed. If you want to be undisputed, you gotta fight the guys with the titles. Canelo Alvarez, he fought the guys with the titles. Uh, you know, when Devin Haney got the chance against uh, uh, George Cambosis, he fought the guy with the other three titles. So, you know, you can't control who has the belts. If you want to achieve that, you have to fight the guys with the title. So we can sit here and say it was a mismatch, which it was. But when it's all said and done, and in a no way someday has taken his place in the Boxing Hall of Fame, somewhere in the first sentence or two or third sentence of that biography is going to say the first ever undisputed Bantamweight champion of the four belt era, the first ever uh, four belt Asian champion, the first four belt Japanese champion, etc. Uh, so it was still an important fight for him to take and a big deal. I'm glad he took the match and I'm glad that Butler agreed to fight him. I just wish Butler would have maybe, you know, tried a little bit harder with you on that. All right. So we covered that. I, I promise Boots in is coming in just a few moments. Uh, you wrote about this. We have it up on Big Fight Weekend as well. That the uh, hope you weren't counting too much on Oscar Valdez, Emmanuel Navarrete fight because it ain't happening. Uh, Valdez injured, you wrote about this, and injured very quickly after this fight was made, and so now there's an opponent switch. Dan, fill us in real quick, including the date, etc. So, if you remember, Oscar's last fight was when he lost the title in a unification fight. He lost the WBC title in a unification with Shakur Stevenson that was back in April um, by a decision. He was, he was supposed to come back and fight this fall. That fight was put off because he suffered an injury. 
I am told by his team that the injury that is keeping him from the February fight, I don't know what the injury is specifically. I think it might be some kind of core injury or back rib type of thing, but no, no, not anything that's that I know specifically. In any event, the the injury that is preventing him now from having the February third fight uh, in the for the vacant WBA WBO junior lightweight title, I am told is not related to the injury that kept him out of the ring for a fight this fall. Nonetheless, he is out. So Navarrete, who is the reigning champion of the WBO in the featherweight division, is still going to take the opportunity to try to win the title at junior lightweight. So he will instead fight an Australian fighter named Liam Wilson, who is high up in the WBO rankings. And they will still have that fight in the main event on ESPN February 3rd. They will still have the fight at the Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale, Arizona. And because of the fact that they were they had approved and ordered Navarrete versus Valdez, the winner of Navarrete and Wilson theoretically, and what I am told by top rank will be the first defense will come against Oscar Valdez probably sometime, you know, as we get towards the summer. So they're just basically putting off the Valdez Navarrete for one fight. And instead of it for a vacant title, it would be for, you know, whoever wins the fight will be for the, you know, he will be challenging that title holder. Uh, and either way, you know, hopefully we'll still see that fight in 2023. You know, if Navarrete's going to be a big favorite, Valdez Navarrete's an absolutely fantastic matchup. And uh, in the meantime, February 3rd will be a different fight. And hopefully Oscar Valdez uh, heals up quickly. All right. And, and you know from listening to this podcast a long time, and Dan's been with me now for some six months, I love Navarrete with the punching power, et cetera. Bigger, Longer than six months, man. Well, that's right. Well, that's true. About uh, eight months now, as a matter yeah. of fact. I'm shortchanging us being together. Uh, I love him for the punching power in either hand, and he's moving up to a bigger weight class. Let's see if it translates even against this Australian opponent and against Valdez, uh, et cetera. So we're looking forward uh, to seeing what he can do. Okay, a couple of uh, out-of-the-ring situations here. First of all, Terrence Crawford. We spoke on the recap podcast about the knockout win. Glove controversy uh, in the aftermath of the fight because some photos and the video from the fight uh, showed that, uh, that the gloves that he was wearing had begun to rip, had begun to be damaged and separate in the sixth round. So much so that the referee, the female referee, Sparkle Lee is her name. She came over, checked the gloves, had somebody from the Nebraska uh, Boxing Commission as well as the WBO come look at the gloves. They agreed to let the sixth round go on, and then they were going to change his gloves out afterwards. You could hear them talking about that. Well, Crawford goes ahead and gets the knockout. Okay, fast forward to the middle of this week, Dan Rayfield, that David Avenesian's team and legal team have filed a complaint with the Nebraska Boxing Commission and the WBO saying that that shouldn't have happened, that once they discovered that the gloves were ripped and potentially dangerous for Avenesian for a cut, et cetera, that something should have been done, the gloves should have been changed out, et cetera, et cetera. They want further investigation about how this happened with the gloves, the custody of the gloves. Did Crawford wear these gloves previously? Did the gloves originate out of original packaging from the manufacturer, or had he been wearing these before? They want answers to all of that. So they did this whole filing with the Nebraska Commission. Dan, pick it up from there, including how you think it might ultimately resolve. Go ahead. I mean, I guess I can't blame the Avanesian team for at least asking for some explanation. That makes sense. I don't think anything's going to come of it, to be quite honest. Uh, people who watch it, they saw that, that the gloves that Crawford was wearing, they were Everlast brand gloves. There were tears that occurred in that sixth round in both gloves. Everlast, which is, you know, obviously a very known company in boxing, makes all kinds of uh, equipment, especially gloves, uh, put out a statement saying that 
they apologized for it. They said it, it happened due to a what they called a batch of defective leather uh, and that something happened in the in the manufacturing process, but that that it was still that the commission still deemed it suitable for competition. So it doesn't sound like there was anything to do with gloves that had already been worn before. And frankly, Terrence Crawford is a championship athlete. I don't think he would want to wear gloves that were used before anyway. That's, you know, that's my opinion on that. So I don't, I don't put really a whole lot of stock in it. You know, should they have stopped the fight right then and changed him out? Probably. Uh, I mean, I didn't get a good look at it from when you see the video. It's hard to tell. Obviously the referee and the commission that was inspecting it has, you know, an up close view of what's going on. Uh, I don't think and it would have mattered one way or the Russell other. Mora, the veteran referee, Russell Mora, was the WBO inspector official on site in Omaha. He was standing right there as well, Dan, looking at the gloves, yeah. and they all and they all agreed let the fight continue. And Crawford knocked him out about a minute later. It didn't seem that bad. And Russell Mora is a very experienced boxing person. He has refereed some of the biggest fights in boxing and certainly knows the deal. I mean, he's you know as a referee, you wonder, you know what happened so you know i have to respect that opinion and in the end uh Avenissian's team has every right to ask the question but it seems like it's so much to do about nothing i don't think uh rip non-rip whatever was going to save Avenissian from getting absolutely blasted um i don't think anybody's suggesting that crawford somehow cheating or anything to do with that this is not uh you know some kind of glove gate nonsense uh it's it's unfortunately that does not it's not a good look when the equipment fails uh we'll call it a wardrobe failure i guess for lack of a better phrase <laughs> right but um you know i'll be interested to see what the commission says about it but uh i don't think uh anything is going to come of it david avanessian still got a six round knockout loss and uh, hopefully when they fight uh, when crawford gets back in the ring for his next fight it's got better mitts to uh, to work with very true on that one other thing you wrote about as well the montana love appeal for his disqualification loss against Stevie Spark. This was a November November fight or October fight. Forgive me, it's all running together. It's November fight, right? Uh, that they fought in Cleveland. I believe that's correct. The appeal is denied. You wrote about this. This is where Spark got flipped out of the ring and luckily was not seriously hurt, but the referee went ahead and DQ'd Montana Love in front of the home fans, which he was upset about. Eddie Hearn, the promoter for Matchroom, upset about it. They didn't think it should have been a disqualification. They appealed. Appeal denied. Pick up any other pertinent details on that you wrote about it. Yeah, just the the uh, the fight that you mentioned. That that fight took place on November twelfth at the Rocket Mortgage Arena in Cleveland, which was in front of Montana's uh, Montana Love's hometown fans. And uh, you know, we had a lengthy discussion on one of the previous podcasts about the merit of the DQ at the time from referee David Fields, but he was disqualified uh, in the sixth round, and they protested like they said they would. The the Ohio uh, Commission heard the appeal at their normal commission meeting on Tuesday of this week and to no surprise to me or probably just about anybody uh, whatever they were seeking to overturn the result to a no contest that was not going to happen as I believe I said back at the time when the appeal was filed and they said they were going to try to get it overturned and they did the right thing I mean there was no you know David Field had every right to, to disqualify him remember this was not like a situation where it was even a gray area he flipped him out of the ring while D David Fields was trying to break them and had and said break or stop, and, mm -hmm. and Montana Love did not listen to him, continued to execute a foul, 
It's only, you know, it's kind of uh, shoving him in the chest. If people can yeah, visualize this, because it's a podcast and he flips over the top rope and somehow did not seriously hurt an ankle, a knee or something landing on the ground like a gymnast. And you loved uh, Corey Erdman was the guy on the call for DAZN. You loved his line about that as we rehashed it, which he was said he, he said he stuck. He sticks the landing, <laughs> yes, which he did. Yes. But the, the, the fact that he didn't get hurt is not pertinent to the fact that there was a, a flagrant foul committed. David Fields was not obligated to disqualify him, as we discussed at the time. He could have taken points away, two points, uh, you know, for a flagrant foul, and seen that that uh, that spark was okay. But he chose to make the disqualification ruling, and the commission properly and rightfully upheld that. And so, uh, Steve Sparks' victory stands, and Montana Love's loss stands. And uh, I guess, as they spoke about in the immediacy of that event, perhaps a rematch. We'll have to see if they get that done. And maybe they do it in Australia, where Montana Love might have to go and Spark gets to make a little more money, whatever, for getting flipped out of the ring. So there we go on that. All right, without further delay, as we mentioned, Jerron Boots Ennis will be on the undercard of the Gervonta Davis pay-per-view that is coming on January the 7th in Washington, D.C. One Dan Rayfield spoke with him. Let's hear that conversation now as part of the pod. All right, everybody, I want to bring in my next guest to the podcast. It is the welterweight contender. You know him as one of the great prospects and now rising contenders in the sport. Most people think a future pound-for-pound kind of guy, future champion. It is none other than uh, Jerron Boots Ennis, Philadelphia's pride. Boots, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet. So I know you guys have been busy uh, getting set to announce uh, at the press conference to do your announcement for the, the, the card you're going to be on. You'll be on January 7th at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. on the undercard of Gervonta Davis and Hector Luis Garcia. You're in the co-feature against uh, Karen Chakazian. You'll be fighting for the vacant interim dub, uh, IBF welterweight title. Uh, yes. And I wonder if you could just give me your thoughts about getting at least finally an opportunity at some kind of title. I know it's not the, the big boy title, but at least puts you in a in a great position. What are your thoughts about that matchup? Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm blessed to you know, be able to be in this position, you know, uh, you know, uh, fighting for the Aaron Bell. You know, my next fight will, uh, after this fight, after I'll be victorious in this fight, my next fight will be for the, you know, uh, for the world title. So it's a blessing, you know, all I got to do is handle what's in front of me, and I'm going to do that. So your opponent is 21-1 and one with 11 knockouts. He's 26 years old from Ukraine. Uh, you're 25, so you're about the same age. You've got a few more fights than him. But clearly, by just a quick check of his record, uh, even though you haven't had a chance to face like the top, top guys, clearly you face better opponents than he has. What do you know about your opponent? You know, And, and what do you make of him when you look at the record? Uh, uh, I don't really know too much about him right, uh, as of right now. You know, uh, but... Um, I know, I know he got the, he's from, you know, Ukraine, so he got the European style, you know. I'm pretty sure he's a good fighter, so, you know, uh, you know he's not taking nobody lightly. Which right. hard for uh, everybody, so, you know, we're going to do, do my thing. Right, his one loss was in 2015 in a tournament, so it was a three-round split decision. Have you ever seen video of him or anything, or know of any no, of his I, opponents or anything like that? No, 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 I haven't watched anything yet. No, I, I let my team watch video. You know, uh, the guys that I fight, and I just focus on, you know, uh, all the things that my dad want me to do. Tell me your thoughts then about putting yourself in position to eventually be the mandatory challenger for a great fighter like Errol Spence Jr. Uh, that's a blessing, and that's, that's what I've been waiting for, the fight, the fight that, I, that I want. You know, uh, a big-name guy, you know, uh, and to be able to, you know, when it's in our belt, I then go be able to fight for, you know, the IBF world title after that. 
and go take that belt from him, that is, that's a blessing too. So, you know, everything falling right into place, right in the line. Yeah, that would obviously be a pretty big fight. Although, if you'd listen to Errol Spence's words, he's been talking about moving up and wait. Do you think he's going to wait around for you to, to take on? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure what he do. Eh? Whether he stay or he leave, or, you know, it uh, doesn't really matter to me. You know, but, I, you know, I, like, I, like, I, like I always say, I, you know, I want to fight the best guys. Well, in your last three fights, uh, even though you haven't been able to get the absolute elite contenders, you have fought three good opponents in your last three fights. You had the second-round knockout against Castillo Clayton, the first-round knockout against Thomas Delorme, and a very spectacular six-round knockout against Sergei Lipianets. Can you d just talk to me a little bit about the evolution of going from uh, you know, coming up the ladder and the struggles that it's taken even to get fighters of that level into the ring with you, and you've shined against all of them? Uh, I mean, it's it definitely been a struggle, you know, getting points and things like that. Cause it's not the original guy that I was really supposed to fight. I, I was really supposed to be fighting Stanionis, and we, we thought we had him locked in and everything, you know, for this deep and things like that. And, you know, coming like two, three weeks uh, uh, earlier, and uh, that just passed, you know, uh, WBA ordered to Stanionis and Ortiz fight, so that that took that fight away from me. But you know, I was really looking forward to that fight, and I really thought I, we had uh, Stanionis locked in for sure. But um. You know, it's, it is what it is, man. We're going to continue to keep running and keep breaking on the bigger, better thing. Uh, Geron, you are such a, a highly regarded prospect, or now a contender, I guess it's fair to say. But you only had one fight in 2022, which is unusual for a guy on the rise like that. Can you describe if there was any frustration in just having the one fight in 2022? And it was a quick one. Yeah, I mean, it's not no frustration, but I definitely, in 2023, I definitely will be you know, at least fighting at least three times, you know, in 2023. So that's, that's the goal. You know, I got like to stay active, keep me sharp at one point. Do you feel like uh, at such a young age, only 25, just probably entering your prime, that you're already 29 and 0, which back in the old days, that was not unusual. But today's day, guys are already, you know, long reigning champions by the time they hit 29, 30 fights. Uh, how do you how do you uh, make for that, that you've had so many fights to get to this point where you've got guys your same age that might have half the number of fights, but are already yeah. fighting in world championship matches? I mean, I feel like I, I could have been at a world title in about two years, two, three years ago. But, you know, I, you know, it's a boxing game. You know, everybody, everybody route is different, you know. Uh, so, you know, mine's taking a little longer. So, but... My, I mean, if I'm taking a little longer, that means because I'm be at the top of the, a lot longer. So you know, I ain't really too 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 uh you know angry about it. You know, uh, I'm continuing to keep developing, keep getting better. In this, in the city of Philadelphia, I know you're known uh, pretty much by everybody in terms of the boxing community. Uh, you know, your reputation uh, as sparring guys in the gym since you're a younger guy, you know, is pretty legendary. Give the give the listeners an idea of some of the great top guys you've sparred with over the years. I know it's a long list. Uh, I swear, uh, Demetrius Hopkins, when I was 13, 14, you know, uh, my dad got Anthony Thompson, uh, uh my, both my brothers, Derek Quinn, Friday Quiet Storm, uh, Julian Williams, uh, Karan Davis, it's so many, it's so many people, I, I, I don't know, like, it's, it's been a lot of people I've been in the ring with, I've been sparring professional fighters since I was about 13, 14 years old, so I got a long list. <laughs> it sounds like it. Uh, I, I'm from for yeah. sure. And 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 as far as uh, heavyweights, light heavyweights, cruiserweights, everybody. So you come back now for this event in uh, Washington. Uh, you've had one previous fight in Washington D.C. This is back in 2000. 
17 you fought on a club show. You scored a first-round knockout. Now, Washington, D.C., in my mind, and I live in the area, so I'm familiar with it. I live in uh, northern Virginia. It's a very underrated boxing city, in my mind. What are your thoughts about, you know, Philadelphia, of course, where you're from, is a great boxing town also. But do you have any thoughts about coming back to fight here in Washington? And, and uh, do you think a lot of your fans from Philly will make that short, you know, couple-hour trek down the highway to see you fight? Uh, most definitely, you know, Philly, Philly, Jersey, you know, uh, the whole tri-state definitely going to be in the building, but Philly definitely going to be in the building for sure. You know, uh, it's only a two-hour and about 30-minute ride, so, you know, we definitely going to have a whole uh, Philadelphia in the building, and it's going to be like me fighting at home, basically. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you'll be definitely the crowd favorite for sure. Do you have any thoughts about fighting on, on this particular card with, uh, you know, uh, one of the top young stars in boxing in Gervonta Davis in a, in a fight against Garcia in the main event? Uh, it's, I feel like it's, it's perfect for boxing. You know, uh, you got uh, me and Tink probably the two explosive, dangerous guys in, in boxing right now. And you, uh, you put us on a on one card together, you're gonna make one big one big bomb. So, you know, it's gonna be an explosion. Uh, a, a beautiful night. Do you figure that with your chance to fight for your first, you know, real title, I guess, at least an interim title, anyway? And as you mentioned. Whatever happens with Errol Spence, either he'll fight you or he'll vacate. You'll be the IBF champion, and you'll probably defend it again. Do you feel like 2023, you know, we've seen your evolution up the ladder to, from prospect to contender. Do you feel like 2023 is a chance for you to really take over as a champion and have, like, a breakout kind of year? Uh, yeah, 20, 2023, uh, definitely I will be a champion. You know, uh, well, from content, contender to champion, you know, uh, uh, my time is now, and uh, I can't wait, and we're going to start it off January 7th with a bang. So what do you expect uh, from your opponent? How do you expect that fight to go? I know you haven't, like you said, you haven't really watched the videos yet or anything, but what do you what do you feel like? I mean, like I said before, your last three fights against more known names than, uh, than uh, Chikadze, and uh, you, you, you dusted them pretty quickly. Uh, my, my prediction is, me, you know, uh, being victorious and you're a knockout. That's, 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 what we, uh, that's what the fans love. So that's what I'm going to do, you know, put it on a beautiful show and get a knockout. Let me ask you one other thing about, about your weight class. It's been such a rich division with so many great fighters through the years. The current era, led by Spence, led by Crawford. You have Keith Thurman there. You've had Danny Garcia in that weight class. Sean Porter, who recently retired. A lot of great names in there. They're, it feels like you're just a little bit behind them. You're not going to get that chance against those big names. Do you feel like it's a division where now you kind of have to start the next era of the top welterweights? I, I feel like I, I am the next era, of, you know, the top welterweights. And, uh, once I grab one of these belts, I feel like I'm just, you know, collect all the belts and, you know, take over this division and make a new mark. It's a new uh, new king at 147. Is there anybody else that's of your sort of age bracket that you see in, in the picture? You know, I think of like uh, – Maybe besides yourself, another young guy that's that's got a lot of quality that's on the rise also, like a Virgil Ortiz. You mentioned Stanionis. Is there somebody else out there that you see that could be your rival, you know, down the road a few fights from now? Uh, you just named them. Uh, Stanionis, uh, you know, uh, or Virgil Ortiz. Uh, There's probably a couple other guys out here, you know, uh, not too sure, but those are the main guys, you know. Uh, those, those are the main guys that, you know, get brung up when I'm a uh, when I got a fight coming up or, or just in, in, in videos or anything. And so now you, uh, you know, you're not headlining this card, but you've got a chance to be in a co-feature on a, on a pay-per-view that Showtime is going to really get behind. Do you feel like down the road that you'll become your own 
pay-per-view fighter? Do you feel like that'll be uh, the chance to, for you to eventually be your, in your own pay-per-view, not so much just in the co-feature? Uh, most definitely. I feel like after this, I, I will be a uh, pay-per-view headliner after this. You know, my name already bringing those. And me being on a big card like this with, uh, with Tink, you know, it's, it's make it 10 times more. So the blessing me on this card. And I feel like uh definitely will be a headline and pay-per-view uh, maybe some year. I mean, maybe sometime in 2023. All right, there you go. Very good. Jared Boutsenis, thank you very much for your time. I wish you nothing but the best of luck January 7th. I think, appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Great stuff with him. And again, uh, stardom all around him. Very talented puncher. I, I will say this. I think he may be as talented as any fighter that doesn't have a world title that I've seen in the last two or three years. Not ever, but in the last two or three years. Any, any, I, I don't, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to eventually be a champ. So let's see what happens. I wonder, having had that conversation with him and having seen him fight, including seeing him, seeing him fight in person as you have, does he remind you of anybody? Does anybody come to mind that Boots Ennis makes you think of or not really? I can't say that there's anybody that jumps out to me. Um, but he is the, he is an excellent combination of of the of all the you know they if they, we if we were talking about a baseball player, they talk about five tool players. Mm-hmm. They can do all the important things: hit, run, field, throw, defense, all that. He's like that in boxing. He's got the defensive prowess. He's certainly got the offense down. He's very quick with his hands and his feet. He's very responsible on defense. Uh, there was a stat that somebody threw out to me. I have not like gone fight by fight and checked this, but something like in his 20s, 29 and 0 with 27 knockouts, which is sort of a, a old school record anyway for a guy that's 25 years old to be 29 and 0 and still now fighting for his first title. And it's only of the interim variety. You know, now we see guys running out to title fights in their first, you know, 15 fights or whatever. Uh, but he is that five tool player that can do everything well. It's not even, he's above average in everything. There's not like one of the elements that you would put down on a checklist where you would say, well, he's maybe not as proficient there or he's, he's you know, he's above average in every element that you could think of. And uh, that plus the experience and, and besides the 29 fights he's had, you know, and we talk, people heard on the podcast, we talked a little about it. He grew up in the gyms in Philly. I mean, his brothers were professional boxers. His father has been around boxing. He sparred with everybody. He's been sparring like top pro since he's like 14 years old. So, uh, you know, he's probably going to win the fight on the seventh easily. To me, it's not about winning on the seventh. It's when can he line up a big name guy? If he, if he wins, he'll be in the mandatory position for Errol Spence. My, my deep suspicion is that Errol will exit the weight class and go to 154 before he ever gets in the ring with Jerron Ennis. I mean, they're of two separate eras. We'll see him hopefully get the Crawford fight. And that'll probably be the swan song at, at welterweight for both guys. And then they can go up and uh, try to see what they can do at 154 and leave the welterweight division to the young guns like Jerron Ennis, like Virgil Ortiz and others. All right. We're anxious to see all of that. We have one thing left to do, and that is preview the Rivera Martin main event. <clears throat> Lightweights in Las Vegas, Showtime PBC pay-per-view. We're doing that straight ahead. First, though, we remind you, if you're looking to wager on the boxing action this weekend or the college football bowl games or the stretch run of the NFL season, the NBA, whatever, do it with our friends at BetUS. And right now we have a great promo offer to go with BetUS. For first-time signups, you get a 125% match bonus. Yes, you get 125% match bonus with our promo code BFW22 for Big Fight Weekend. BFW22. 
You put a hundred bucks in initially, they're going to put 125 in. You put 200 in, you get 250 to gamble with from them on the boxing, on the football, on the World Cup final, if you want, for this weekend with Argentina and France. Utilize it, take advantage of it with our promo code BFW22. Again, BetUS has been at this for almost 30 years. They're America's favorite sports book. And they are where the game begins. And again, a 125% match bonus awaits. You can wager on the Martin Rivera fight this week, the upcoming Gervonta Davis world title fight, any of the boxing, any of the football, any of the hoops, whatever you like, with BetUS, BetUS.com, and take advantage of our 125% match bonus offer. BFW22 is the promo code to check out. Put that in on your initial deposit. Sign up initially and put in BFW22, the one disclaimer. The maximum for the initial sign-up deposit is $2,500 for this match bonus. Knock yourself out if you want to put that much in. And you ca- I, Look, I got public school education. You, ca- you calculate how much that match bonus is. All I'm saying is it's 125% of whatever you put in. Use our promo code BFW22 with BetUS.com where the games begin. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. Back in once more. Call back in our content partner, Fight Freaks Unite Substack. BigFightWeekend.com as well, Dan Rayfield. Here we go uh, with a PBC fight card that is their last one of the calendar year, and it has a very intriguing contender lightweight fight, a lightweight fight with Michelle Rivera and Frank Martin, both undefeated. Uh, Las Vegas is the site and let's get into this a little bit here as we wind things down on the preview podcast what are your thoughts on this matchup I really love this fight TJ I love this fight Uh, it's not going to engender massive publicity or huge ratings but uh, I give credit to Rivera and Frank Martin they're both undefeated they're both on the way up they're both prospects slash you know young contenders Uh, you just don't see these type of matchups too often I mean they spoke about that a little bit at the press conference that they had uh, on th- on uh, on Thursday, and you know it's a throwback kind of thing where they're both looking to get to the top in a quick fashion, and you know the quickest way to a particular spot is a straight line, and the straight line is going through another good quality young undefeated fighter. Frank Martin is 27 years old, a southpaw, 16 and 0 with 12 knockouts. Michelle Rivera 24 and 0 with 14 knockouts. He's only 24 years old. Frank Martin had a big time amateur career. He's aligned. Uh, with Errol Spence and is trained by, uh, you know, the same. they're in the same team with Derek James. Rivera's gotten a little bit more exposure and has been in some, even though he's younger, he's been in uh, the sort of the tip of the ratings, let's say, for longer so than Frank Martin has, but they're both really good young fighters. I mean, honestly, I can't make, I I mean, if you make me pick, I guess I probably lean towards Martin a little bit, but these guys are both fighters that have a lot that they bring to this fight. They both have offense they both have defense. They both have that youthful excitement and hunger. And it just should be, uh, you know, both of them make pretty good fights. Rivera likes to mix it up. Martin can be a little bit more defensive-minded. But kind of like Errol, he's got solid offense also. I mean, this does just shape up like a 50-50 kind of fight on paper. Very intriguing matchup. And honestly, the winner is definitely taking a big step forward in a lightweight division that's got some good names in it. And uh you know, may the best man win. And I just hope that when it's all said and done, that whatever happens, that people don't just dump all over the loser and and, uh, and 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 say that person should be thrown away. You know, give them credit for doing the match. Yes. And whoever loses, get back on the horse and uh, try again. You know, that's that's 
assuming we don't see some kind of absolutely completely one-sided ass-kicking first-round knockout type of situation. But if it's just a solid fight and one guy comes up short or even gets stopped, you know, don't throw him away. You, you know, give him props and, and let him uh, dust himself off and come back. And, and again, we love the fact that these guys are willing to fight each other as prospects and and engage in this kind of thing as as contending prospects. And to your point on how even this is on the bet U.S. line, uh, Martin is the favorite minus two fifty, about two and a half to one. Rivera only plus two hundred, two to one underdog, so very even. An over under of ten and a half rounds. So the bet U.S. odds makers think this is going to last a while. We'll obviously make full fledged predictions on our bet U.S gambling show that we do live on uh one eastern time on the bet us platforms and their youtube channel so we'll make the official predictions there but that is a very even indication again of a 50 50 fight here and rivera again you love the style uh you know kind of the the throwback to muhammad ali he kind of looks like muhammad ali a little bit uh he wears the ali type white trunks with the black stripe uh etc uh, kind of has the haircut, the high fade haircut that Ali used to have, if that is what it is. I don't have that much hair anymore. I don't know what that haircut is. But anyway, uh, he's kind of a throwback. And again, Martin out of that gym in Texas, you were talking, elaborate on this. You were talking to Derek James about him, the trainer, on this podcast feed earlier. And he went on and on about Martin's talent and his chances to be a world champ. Just pick up on that real quick. Yeah, just so I remind people, you said one o'clock on the Bet US show tomorrow, meaning this oh. coming Friday. We are a special time of 12 noon Eastern time because yes. our good friends at BetUS, they're having a holiday party. So we're <laughs> going to accommodate them so they can have their good fun. We're and not we're invited. The, show. the thing is, they early. work this out with us and we're not invited to the holiday party. How did that work? Uh, uh, but but that's OK. So, again, thank you. And if you are seeing the show at one, you're seeing the replay of the show. It's live at noon Eastern. Thank you for that. Uh, you can watch it, obviously, later in the day at, at uh uh, anytime on Friday or even on Saturday morning before the fights, et cetera, it's always out, usually at one. But if you want the live interaction, good job, Dan Rayfield. Be with us at noon. Be with us at noon to talk about this fight and anything else and ask a couple of questions. Get that in. So but yes, that, back to Martin and about uh, Derek James waxing about Yeah, him. so a, a few months ago, I had Derek on the podcast mainly to talk about, I guess it must have been in the, in the, in the week or two after or three weeks after Errol Spence had defeated uh, or Dennis Ugas to further unify the titles at welterweight and we were discussing uh you know his thoughts on on errol's career but i knew he also uh worked with frank martin and got some thoughts from him and and Derek james is uh is is, is the kind of trainer if you're a, a writer you love because he just says what he thinks i mean there's not a lot of bullshit with Derek james whatsoever and uh no he listen he likes frank a lot a lot of talent says he's a very hard worker uh which is the type of guys he wants in his gym um you know and he just feels like he has that talent that someday uh, in the not too distant future that he's going to be a bonafide world champion and he's got the talent and the skills to do so. And uh, we did us, this fight with Michelle Rivera was not made. So it's not like we spoke about this, but this was the type when he was talking about the types of fights that Frank wanted and needed uh, sooner than later, I'm fairly sure that this was the type of fight he meant, which is something that's going to motivate Frank uh, with a good opponent with stakes may not be for a title or anything along those lines, but it's, it's an opportunity to be in a main event on Showtime and take a really big step forward in your career. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Frank will be pumped up, and I know Derek James will have him ready. All right. Interesting uh, here for this main event uh, that is coming on Saturday night that, uh, again, both of these guys have talent. Both of them got fast hands. You mentioned Martin to Southpaw, so 
Styles make fights. Let's see if we get a good one. What else is on the undercard real quick, brother Rayfield? It is of interest here. Again, PBC getting some guys some work right before the end of the year. This is their last fight card of the year. Go ahead. Well, the main event is a WBA lightweight eliminator. So we'll put the winner in position, uh, not necessarily to become the mandatory, but to move a step closer. But as we know, in the lightweight division, at least at the time being, there's one champion. That means one step closer to a potential Devin Haney fight, which in my mind means not a Devin Haney fight because he's going to probably fight Lomachenko. And I have to assume based on Devin's comments that uh, probably in the next fight, he will leave the weight class and move up. He's been, uh, you know, having his issues making 35 for a while. But the other two fights on this uh, telecast are also title eliminators in the IBF. You've got Jose Uskategi, the former IBF super middleweight title holder. He's in an eliminator against Vladimir Shishkin, uh, a Detroit-based Russian fighter. Uh, that's a pretty good matchup. Some people were upset about Uskategi's coming back after a, a blatant failed drug test. Um, but I guess he served his time, and now he's getting another opportunity. And in the in the opening fight on this broadcast, you have Nikolai Potapov, a uh, this is a, a bantamweight eliminator. He's fighting Vincent Astrolabio, who is best known if you know him. He's the guy that handed Guillermo Rigondo a loss in his most recent defeat. Um, and that seems like also a pretty competitive fight. These by are the not, way, by they, the way, can I interject? You're doing a masterful job with the names, far better than I could. I'm Keep trying, rolling. I'm yes. So. Look, this is a fight at the end of the year where, and I don't, I didn't talk to show, Showtime about this. It's not a star-studded card, but they're giving it the Showtime Championship Boxing Treatment, which tells me basically that that PBC had an obligation to get these guys some fights before the end of the year. It's it's a lower budget fight than a lot of the other bigger Showtime cards, so it's sort of like they're using up what they had left in the in the kitty at the end of the year. But to the credit of PBC and Showtime. Again, it's not a star-studded card, but they made three fights where if you like boxing, they all feel like, on paper anyway, they should be somewhat competitive, which is all you can really ask for. We're not seeing showcase fights. We're not seeing fights that are, at least in the thoughts going in, are blowouts. Obviously, anything can happen. They feel like they're they're legitimately competitive matchups on paper with a, with a main event that's highly intriguing. And uh, those two other matches I just mentioned, you know, give it a little bit of more heft, I guess, on the undercard because the winners of those fights are going to probably find themselves, uh, you know, in world title fights in the not too distant future. All right. Fair enough on that. We've done a good job of covering all of it. Uh, again, uh, there is a fight in England. The boxer card has Chris Billum Smith, who's a top five cruiserweight contender in the main event. I'm going to try this name. Ahmed Johaj is the fighter that he is fighting. That's in Bournemouth, England, the coastal town of Bournemouth, England. Um, is, uh, that's about two and a half hours southwest of London. That's We're getting a geography lesson now on the fight. a little geography on the podcast. That's where Billum Smith is based now. So that's where he's fighting out of there. That one is Saturday afternoon, U.S. time. The boxer uh, card will be taking place. And that's and really, can, that's, not, can, that's about uh, it. If you're that much of a diehard, because that's that fight card you just mentioned with Bill and Smith, it also has uh, your boy Rocky Fielding uh, taking on uh, Dan Aziz uh, for the British and Commonwealth light heavyweight title. It's got the uh, Olympian undefeated Caroline Dubois, the sister of Daniel Dubois. Yep. She's on the card. You got the good cruiserweight prospect, Vidal Riley. You got the return of Michael McKinson, who put on a, a pretty decent uh, showing, even though he lost against Virgil Ortiz earlier in the year. Anyway, that card it's like a $9.99 pay-per-view on fight. That's my public service announcement for uh, our listeners, if you right, care so to watch that. Earlier on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night primetime in the UK. And again, the uh, Showtime PBC card Saturday night with Rivera and Martin from 
Las Vegas. With and there's that, also yeah, there's also uh, Golden Boy has its last card of the year. It's the Fight Night show. It's not their big show. It's their their um, their more developmental series that's normally on Thursdays uh, every month. This this month it's on a Saturday. That's taking place in Commerce, California. You got the welterweight prospect uh, Raul Curiel taking on the veteran Brad Solomon. You got uh, the featherweight Diego De La Hoya trying to get his career back on track. That's the first cousin of uh, the big boss of Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya. He got also on the undercard the return uh, after quite a while off after her back-to-back losses to to uh, Jessica McCaspell. You got the return of the longtime undisputed women's welterweight champion, Cecilia Breckus. So uh, not in a big-time match. If she's only in a six-rounder trying to get back in the groove, she'll be fighting at junior middleweight for the first time. So, again, not the biggest weekend we've ever seen, but it feels like a little bit for everybody. And Cecilia, by the way, I still remember this, and you love me for uh, spewing some of the correct information here, uh, had the longest tenure of any champion in the same weight class going. She was the 10-year welterweight champion, 10 years of defending that title and being able to make the weight before McCaskill beat her the first time and then beat her in the rematch. So interesting. When she lost, yep. when she lost to McCaskill, she had made 25 consecutive title defenses, which <laughs> if she had beaten McCaskill, it would have been her 26th title defense. And it would have broken the record that Joe Lewis holds for the most consecutive title defenses in any weight class, man or woman. So Cecilia Breckos has to settle in quote marks for having made 25 consecutive uh, women's welterweight world championship title defenses in a row. She is tied with Joe Lewis for the most ever in any weight class, in any, with whatever and more, gender. more remarkable, again, when and you're by talking way, Joe about... Lewis never had to make weight. Cecilia had to make weight. I was going right fight. there, and she repeatedly in her 30s is able to make 147 over and over and over again, month after month of these fights, a couple times a year, three times a year, whatever, year after year, and she did until McCaskill so, beat her and then beat her in the rematch. Let me make this comment, okay? Please. They, a few years ago, they added a modern women's uh, category to the Boxing Hall of Fame ballot. They added a women's trailblazer category, uh, which I don't believe is voted on every year. But the women's modern ballot elects two women per year. So in the first year, there was obviously very uh, significant women's fighters that were elected. Um, and over the next couple of years, you had people like Christy Martin and Leila Lee and Ann Wolf and and uh, Lucia Riker and Holly Holm and uh, um, just you know a good, a worthy, deserving uh, group of women who were like the Regina Homage from Germany this past cycle. Anyway, when the new ballots came out, and I think we might've discussed this on my ballot, I vote in the women's category also. So it's only been around for like three or four years in the modern category. And I looked at the list and I, you know, no knock on the, on the women that are on that ballot, but none of them in my mind were worthy of being elected to the hall of fame. That's just the way it is. They had not had those types of fights or the type of competition or the accomplishment. And I felt like the women who had already been elected uh, who are eligible when the uh, when the uh, category was created have taken their rightful place in Canastota. When Cecilia Brackhouse retires and she's all out of the ring for three years and she appears on the ballot for the first time, that'll be one of the easiest votes ever yes. for a women's ballot that I'll make in my career. Yep. No, no question about it. She no will be doubt. a first ballot Hall of Famer. No, doubt. she should be. 25, 25 title defenses in the same weight class over 10 years. I don't and care undefeated, who, by the way. And I don't care who you're fighting against. Uh, in those, that's a lot. That's a ton. Okay, she didn't. Uh, she didn't lose for years and years and years. Correct, over a decade. All right. Uh, brilliant stuff. Great job with Boots Ennis. Great job with the news and the info. And we previewed that uh, Rivera uh, upcoming bout with Martin in the PBC lightweight showdown between the pair of unbeaten's Saturday night. 
Reminder, the BetUS show noon Eastern, typically 1 Eastern, noon Eastern for this Friday. And get us while we're hot because we're not hot next weekend for the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day weekend because there's no worldwide boxing action. So sorry, Pete. Sorry, degenerates. There's no gambling show two days before Christmas, as you like to say, call your mother or get somebody a gift. There's not a boxing Why don't you uh, remind the peeps what my record was last week? I believe you went five for five on the show. I believe you're right. I, I believe I went two for two for two, two or two and two. I think I went two, two and two. Two and two. You were five for Rayfield five. was hot last week. Rayfield you couldn't be beat last week. You were, you were hot. So we're looking forward to the boxing picks. Noon, noon Eastern time Friday. And again, if you missed it live, that's where the interaction is. You can see it later in the day on the BetUS platform, on YouTube, uh, through Twitter, et cetera. Go check it out. For now, we're good on this podcast, on the on the Big Fight Weekend preview. A uh, reminder, off the weekend, it will be the Fight Freaks Unite recap. So we look forward to that uh, coming off the weekend with whatever happens in this fight, the fights anywhere that are going on, the news, etc. You'll have that usually by Monday morning, overnight, Sunday night, Monday morning, give or take. For now, though, I think we're good. Mr. Rayfield, have a great weekend. Enjoy all the action. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll be reading you on your Substack, Fight Freaks Unite, and BigFightWeekend.com, sir. You're the man. I'll talk to you tomorrow. There is Dan Rayfield. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Uh, subscribe, follow, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify to the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Rate and review us. There could be gifts. Gifts under your figurative drawer stuffed in your stockings. Could be. We're bribing you. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Take 60 seconds and do that, and we might be drawing out a name. Before the end of the month, anybody that's rated us and reviewed us in December, get it done. For now, we're good. For Dan Rayfield, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights.